0: Been thinking about this lady. This is what I suppose. Welcome to the teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel South London. You can visit us at calvarychapelsouthlondon.org. I realize So I'm on my knees for understanding. The more the world I see, the more I see. The fever I fit in, but I'm no diamond ring. I Um, Last week, um, I began to allude to the fact that As the Apostle Paul was writing this epistle As he was even writing this section here He very much had God the Father God the Son And God the Holy Spirit in his thoughts And this is why within this section We see how he ends the praise to the Godhead In verse 6 it says To the praise of the glory of his grace And in verses um, 12 and 14 It says to the, pl- to the praise of his glory And so we see them as sort of like Self-contained little units as well So with this in mind um, Let us read from verse 6 And you know today I'd encourage you, there's going to be lots of references. I'm going to look at lots of, perhaps, root words. So if you have a a notepad, I'd encourage you to have your notepad and your pen. And um, for those of you who want to take notes and go ahead and and do further study. So we will be picking up from verse 6 and reading through to verse 14. Amen? Ephesians chapter 1, verse 6. To the praise of the glory of his grace He might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on the earth in him. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth The gospel of your salvation in whom also having believed you are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise Who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession To the praise of his glory. Amen So much within this section so much which you can start dissecting and start analyzing And as I mentioned last week the Apostle Paul Basically look back to the past And as I said before, he broke out in praise To God the Father for his sovereignty And the fact that he was chosen before the foundation of the world And now he looks at the present aspect of salvation And how God the Father took his elective purpose And worked it out through history So that the plan of the ages would indeed become a reality. And the method that that God the Father chose to work out his eternal plan. To bring us into relationship with him. And to go further than that. To give us an inheritance in the future. Was redemption. He had to redeem us back to himself. Because... As a result of the fall, all humanity was enslaved and in bondage to a terrible, terrible master. We were all subject to a severe law, which was the law of sin. And the consequences of this bondage and the consequences of the law of sin is death. Physical death, spiritual death. And eternal separation from God. Ezekiel chapter 18 and verse 4. Interesting verse. It says, Behold, all souls are mine. The soul of the Father as well as the soul of the Son is mine. The soul who sins shall die. In the same chapter of Ezekiel, verse 18, God through the prophet says, Again the soul who sins shall die The son shall not bear the guilt of the father Nor the father bear the guilt of the son The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon himself And the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon himself Romans chapter 6 and verse 23 The first part of it We all should know it It says for the wages of sin is So, knowing the consequences of sin and understanding our previous position before a holy and righteous God, the previous position of what he will go on to say in chapter 2, that we were dead in our trespasses, you know, how we conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh and the lust of our minds, and we basically sought our own desires, that was our previous position. But Christ, through redemption, has brought us back unto himself. And so, the key word in this section here is redemption. And so, picking up in, you know, I want to go back a little bit to move forward. Picking up again in verse 6, it says, To the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he has made us, Accepted in the beloved You see Paul is just breaking out in praise Because It is the father who has Made us Accepted We didn't make ourselves He has provided the opportunity To make us He's made us Accepted in the beloved And the word made here, if you look at it in the Greek, is a very interesting word. It's taken from the Greek word karito or charito, which means to endure, endure, sorry, with special honor, to make accepted, to be highly favored. And this word is derived from the root word, which is charis, which means the divine influence of grace on the heart. So we can literally read this as to the praise of the glory of his charis, his special divine influence and unmerited favor on the heart by which he has carito, given us special honor and made us accepted and highly favored. So when we read this, we should see that God the Father has given us such a surety. He's given us such security in what he has done in order to make us accepted in the beloved. That we should just have full confidence in God. You know, in those moments, in those times when you're not really feeling that you're so spiritual, you're so holy, and you're feeling weak, it's not dependent on how holy you feel or how strong you feel. It's dependent on the fact that God has made us accepted in the beloved. Again, we could read this that he has graced us with grace. And we are accepted in the beloved. Now, if you notice this verse, it says that it, Paul wrote this in the past tense. He has made us. And the reason why he's written this is because, again, Ephesians, it's talking about our position in Christ, but it's looking at how we practically outwork that Position within our experience And Positionally You know We are in Christ He has made us accepted That is our position Whether we feel it or not Whether we think it or not That is our position It's a positional reality But This acceptance It only comes You know, it it only comes in the person of Jesus. There's no other way to find acceptance to God. As we all know, there's nothing we can do to say, God, I've done this, am I acceptable to you now? There's no great thing we could ever try to do. It's because he has made us made us accepted in the beloved. And, you know, this word beloved, again, is another beautiful word which the Apostle Paul has chosen to use. You know, everything written is written for a purpose. You know, some things written have greater value than others, but, you know, words are just not put in there for the sake of it. And he said that, you know, he says that we have been accepted, he has made us accepted in the beloved. And really, when we hear that word beloved, you know, it should remind us of who that person really is. You know, the father said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. It's his his special word for his son This is my beloved son Hear him This word is not being used lightly Because Paul is trying to communicate That we have been accepted In the father's son In God And he wants to communicate that to us We have been accepted in him And in considering this You know I just thought about acceptance and acceptance often carries very interesting emotions with it generally we all want to be accepted in one way or another we all want to fit in or you know find approval and we often seek acceptance or approval in the groups we attach ourselves to. Perhaps in the hobbies or the careers we pursue. Perhaps we look for acceptance in the clothes we wear, we wear and the way we carry ourselves. We look for acceptance in the partners we, we, we are with or the partners we desire. Acceptance and. The opposite of acceptance is rejection. And this is why when people break up, it can be so emotionally charged and it can be so emotionally painful because it carries this deep, heartfelt feeling of rejection. What you don't want me anymore. You don't like me anymore. I'm not part of your group anymore. No one wants to feel rejected. We all want to find acceptance in one way or another. And in considering this, you know, I just thought God has every right to be upset and annoyed with every one of us, because the Bible makes it clear, we've all rejected God. All we have, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned each way, to our own, each one to our own way, and the Lord has laid on Him the iniquity of us all. We, we've all rejected God, but God has made us accepted in the beloved. It doesn't make sense think about it it just doesn't make why why would you look at my life and want to accept me why would he look at any one of us in here and want to accept us it doesn't make sense it's not because of how pretty you look it's not because of how many giftings you have how well you can sing how well you can rap Basically, it's because he chooses to. He has chosen to before the foundation of the world. And again, I can only cry out like, <laughs> like the psalm is such, such knowledge. is too wonderful for me. It's too much. I don't get it. But I accept it. And so we see in here that God loves us. He accepts us. And again, we should look at verses like this, and it should solidify our worth in him. Those times when we're feeling worthless. Oh me, I'm so bad. Nothing's going right in my life. Nothing's going well. God has accepted you, knowing that you would feel like that. Knowing that you would have acted that, that way, that you would have did, you would have done what you did, and you're going to do what you're going to do. He accepts us. And so we look at verse 7. It says, In him we have redemption. And the hymn now, as I mentioned as I begun. In focus is the beloved of verse 6 Who is God the Son Because, again, I'm repeating myself It's only in Christ Jesus That we can find this thing called redemption Now, the theme of redemption You know, has so much typology And so much reference to the Old Testament And particularly to the book of Exodus And if you could just think of it where Israel was in bondage for 400 years in Egypt under the pharaohs, and then we have Egypt being a type of the world, and we have the pharaohs being the type of Satan. Israel were in bondage there, and they needed a deliverer. And God sent Moses to deliver his people. And... It's interesting that in Exodus, God wanted, he wanted his people to be set free so that they could worship him. He says, let my people go so that they can go into the wilderness so that they can worship me. Paul begins this letter saying, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he just got, He's praising God. He's blessing God. And I just love the parallel here. It's beautiful. God is desiring a people who would worship him. He is always seeking those who would worship him in in spirit and in truth. And so, redemption... The theological definition of redemption is An act of God By which he himself pays as a ransom The price of human sin That has outraged his holiness Shall I say it again? The theological definition of redemption is An act of God by which he himself pays as a ransom the price of human sin that has outraged his holiness. He's outraged because it's gone against his holiness, but he's going to pay the price of sin. Makes no sense. But this is the God we serve. Basically, if I can say it in layman's terms, it's deliverance by the payment of a price. Now, I've never, ever done this. I don't really know anybody who does do this, but perhaps the closest thing I can really relate it to now is when you, if anybody pawns jewellery, you go to a pawn shop, you give them your jewellery or whatever, and they give you some money, and then once you've got the money back together, you go back to the shop, give them back their money and they give you back your jewellery. That's what happens in a pawn shop, yeah? Yeah. You've redeemed what you owned. Okay? Not a very good example, but that's the point. I don't want to go ahead of myself, but we don't really understand redemption in this culture. But in the New Testament, there are two Greek words that communicates redemption. One is agorotso, which basically means to buy out of the marketplace or to purchase, purchase something to make it yours. And the other word is latreo, which is where we get the word apolotrosis from. Now I don't want to confuse you with the Greek But um, I know there's some scholars amongst us So uh, I need to give it out there And we need to look at these Greek words Because they help us to understand exactly what's going on Because apollotrosis means to pay a price To set someone free from bondage That's what it means See, the Greek language is rich Because, you know it communicates exactly what the person's trying to say Whereas in the English language, we could have one word which means a few, thing, a few things You know, um, I haven't got an example in my head right now, but You understand what I mean And so With these words, I'm hoping that we're getting a picture of purchase, Purchasing something Or Obtaining something to to set it free We're getting that picture Right Now again At this point in history Slavery was a common thing And in order to purchase the freedom of a slave And set them free You would have to pay for their redemption And The first hand hearers. Of this letter The Ephesians Or those in Asia Minor You know They would have understood The greater meaning of this word As opposed to us 2,000 years removed And we're thinking about a pawn shop Maybe We don't understand The word in that sense But The truth that Paul is pointing out And giving praise to God for Is that Whether past, present, or future, I'm going to go left to come back again. Everyone who comes into the world, whether past, present, or future, everyone who has or will be born enters into the world as a slave. We all have a sin gene. We've all entered into the world in bondage. Only one person who, who, who didn't enter the world in bondage, and that's Jesus. We, we, we're all under the same cloud. The psalmist says in Psalm 51, verse 5, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. He recognized that, you know what? I was born a sinner. Guess what? You were born sinners. I was born a sinner. And Jesus says, Most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave to sin. Romans chapter 6 verse 17 says, But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. So it's like we substitute one form of slavery for another form of slavery. But the slavery of righteousness is a good form of slavery. It's not burdensome. So we're all born into sin. We all have the sin gene. And as I mentioned before, you know, sin holds all of humanity captive. And sin says, I demand a price. I demand a price before I'm going to release you from my grip. And the price it demands is death. So, all of us entering into the world, we're all subject to this. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 22 says, Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. There needs to be some form of sacrifice. There needs to be some form of death. Again, Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death. But it doesn't stop there. It goes on to say, But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And we have to thank God for that hope today. And we have that hope. is because... In him, we have redemption. In him, you know, he has redeemed us back unto the Father. And the way in which he has redeemed us back to the Father is through his sacrifice. It's through the shedding of his blood. And Paul moves on to say, you know, that In him we have redemption through his blood Because He's highlighting this Timeless reality And I don't know if you can Receive it like this but It's a timeless reality That it's only the pure And sinless blood Of Jesus Which he poured at Calvary That can Actually, and literally, pay the price for our redemption. That can pay the price to redeem us back to God and provide forgiveness of sins. Now, if you can think back with me, on the Day of Atonement, when the high priest had to offer blood. Before the mercy seat And he did this to atone for all the sins of Israel The blood that was offered on that day Had to be fresh It had to be freshly sacrificed blood If it was congealed in any way It would not be acceptable to God And so they had to make sure that, you know, they had their system in place. They had to make sure they had their system on lock lock because the high priest did not want to go into the Holy of holies with congealed blood because the blood wouldn't have been accepted, he wouldn't have been accepted, and he would have been decked. So it had to be fresh blood. What's my point? the blood that jesus shed 2000 years ago is as fresh today as it will ever be as it has been has been will be or will ever be always acceptable to god the father it still has the power to save still has the power to forgive sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness and to redeem us back to the Father. It still has the power. What can wash away my sins? You've got to believe it, family. It's heavy. The blood of Jesus has power. It's only in Christ's blood we have that forgiveness of sin. You know, they, the, 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 the nation of Israel, they had to do that every year. They had to go and bring the, the, the blood of bulls and goats and make that sacrifice. But Christ entered into the heavenly sanctuary once. And it was acceptable to the Father. It's beautiful. And I can see why the Apostle Paul is just breaking out in praise here. It's like he's going, Ooh, Lord, I see it. He's just breaking out in praise. I don't know if he was was cuffed to a a Roman soldier, but he's probably there breaking out, and this Roman soldier's going, What's he breaking out for? (laughs) Maybe that's where body popping started. I don't know. (laughs) It's because of Christ's sacrifice, his blood, that we are able to be redeemed back unto the Father. You know, that's why we're able to look at verses like Galatians 3, chapter 13. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. You couldn't do it for yourself. We needed somebody else to do it for us. And when they've done it, now that he's done it, we have to just freely say, thank you. I accept it. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 18. Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ... As of a lamb without blemish and without spot He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world But was manifest in these last times for you, for me Who through him believe in God Who raised him from the dead and gave him glory So that your faith and hope are in God So that our faith and hope is in God Not for us to say, oh that's a wonderful thing to know so that our faith and our hope is in God. It's in you. That's the reason. And, you know, there's so many references which we could look at in the New Testament in particular. You know, to talk about how Christ has redeemed us. How he's translated us out of darkness into the, you know, into the light. So many verses. And... The result of what Christ has done again is like the forgiveness of sins. I mean, sometimes we have to really take a step back and really meditate on what that actually means. The forgiveness of sins. I mean, as, as believers, we, could, we just take these words for granted. We just read over them and just, oh, yeah, forgiveness of sins. Yeah. Wow. Wow. The forgiveness of sins. And just to try and put another picture in your head. Again, on the Day of Atonement, what the high priest would do, what the priest would do is they would take, they would have two goats. One of the goats is where they would sacrifice and the blood would be sprinkled on the altar. The other goat, the priest would lay his hands on the head of that goat. And what he would do, he would start confessing all the sins of Israel on the, you know, over that goat. And once he had confessed all the sins of Israel over that goat, they would take that goat out of the camp, way out into the wilderness, and leave it there. And they would make sure they would leave it in a place where that goat could not find its way back to the camp. And what's it saying? It's saying (laughs) that God has removed our sins so far that they'll never find their way back. He's forgotten them. No more to be remembered. But you remember them. I remember them. Sometimes we beat ourselves up because we can't forget them. But, But God's forgotten them. And really, in so many ways, you're not really taking God at his word if you are just beating yourself up over your sins. Because God says, you know what? I forgot, as far as the east is from the west, I've forgotten about them. So why are you remembering them? Remembering them. And um, those of you who are good at geography or one of those things, how far is the east from the west? Can, can, can you put a distance on it? Because I'm sure if you start walking east Doesn't it get to the point Where you you, you, you come west If I just kept on walking Or, or what is it <laughs> Pastor E tell me keep I keep going east <laughs> See he's a teacher He knows You keep going east So how far is that then God's As far as the east is from the west But God That yeah you feeling me? Now you look a lot of feeling me as far as the east is from the west You know the, the Prophet Micah you know it speaks about casting all our sins into the depths of the sea Now I'm scared of deep water trust me if I can't see the bottom, forget it. But imagine the deepest oceans of the world. And how far down you would have to go in order to say, yeah, I touched the bottom. And, and again, it's the, it's the imagery which God is communicating to us. Look, those sins are forgotten about. Gone. And he's able to save because he's God. He's able to forgive us of these sins because he's God. And so I encourage us, you know, family, don't be beating up yourself. You know, acknowledge your sin. But don't stay there so that it cripples you and paralyzes you. And so they would take that goat, they would bring it far out into the wilderness and they would leave it there, and that goat would now be known as the scape goat, as we know. And that's where we get the phrase from. And you know, forgiveness. Again, the Greek word which is actually used there is um apheme. Aphiemy, sorry. And Again, it carries the meaning of taking away and never to return. And so we move on. It says, according the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, which he abound, made abound, sorry, which he made to abound towards us in all wisdom and prudence. So He's given us the forgiveness of sins And He's given us the riches of His grace The riches of His divine enablement And The blessings which He has given us The riches which He has given us You know, again, it's an interesting Use of words because it says Which he made to abound towards us Which means that The riches are not Taken out of his grace But it's according to his grace Now if, I'm going to try and give an example If I had Sorry to make you laugh If I had a big tub of ice cream Yeah and I was to give, give Panash some of this ice cream, and he asked me for some. Yeah, you asked for some ice cream, and I gave you half a cone. That would be taken out of the tub of ice cream I've got. But now, if Panash asked me for ice cream, and I said, here's a cone, a full cone, and you know what, Panash? When you finish that, Come back for as much as you want. That's now according, according to my tub of ice cream. Do you, do you get the picture? It's not just taking it. It's not like just saying, oh, yeah, you can just have a little bit over here. It's like it's according to. God has everything. You know, these riches which he wants to give us is not, you know, just out of what he has It's according to what he has And he has everything So he's like saying Keep coming back Keep coming back Keep coming back Keep coming back for some blessings And some riches i got it for you I'm big I, I can handle it But we Again We often sort of like As believers We, we think small <laughs> No God You don't want to give me that No, But I do No you don't want to give me that. No, But I do want to give it to you. No, Lord, I'm sure you don't want to give that because, oh, woe is me. Can I get a witness there? That's what we do. We limit God. But he's saying it's, you know, know, it's according to the riches of my grace to which I'm made to abound towards you in all wisdom and prudence. You know, the the riches is overflowing. And Paul goes on to say that it's, you know, he uses his word in all wisdom and prudence. And so, God enables us to partake of his wisdom and his prudence. And the word here for wisdom is Sophia, which means wisdom in eternal and spiritual things. And the word prudence is Phrenesis, which means insight into earthly things. So again, Paul's breaking it out and he's like, he's giving God praise because through Christ's redemptive work, God has given him the ability to understand. Spiritual things. And not just that. Practically, he has given him the ability to know how to live right, how to walk right from day to day on planet Earth. All wisdom, all prudence. That's what, that's what we can tap into. Because the God we serve is big. Big. He's almighty. If anybody lacks wisdom, the scripture says, you know, ask. And, you know, he's not just going to give it to, oh, yeah, well, you can just, you know, take it out of what. He'll give liberally. Liberally. The abundance is there. And so, moving on to verses 9 and 10, it says, having made known to us the mystery, and again, mystery, you know, it's not like one of those books where it's a mystery and you can never find out what's going on. The word mystery is mysterion, which means something that was, which was hidden, but has now been revealed. And, you know, it's beautiful here because... The Spirit of God has just given Paul revelation of you know what the whole plan of redemption is, the whole plan of salvation, you know, the plan of the ages. You know, the plan which even angels desired to look into, and they didn't even know what was going on. And now, by revelation, Paul is getting a little glimpse, and he's like, Oh my goodness. The mystery of his will. According to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on the earth in him. The mysterious plan of the ages. The in so many ways, God is using this created thing called time And he will use the fullness of times, plural Which is something we'll get into at another time To work something out he is using redemption, salvation, forgiveness of sin Which can only be found in Jesus to bring all things back into subjection to himself through Christ Jesus. There's a plan of the ages. 1 Corinthians 15, um, verse 28 says, and, all, and when all things shall be subdued unto him, then shall the Son also himself be subject unto him, that put all things unto, under him, that God may be all in all. So, even the son at some point will subject himself unto the father and say, it's all all under subjection under me now, I subject it but unto you. You know, if we really think about about it, um, positionally, all things under subjection to God. But we could say experientially, that's not what's outworked within the world. Romans 8 says, for we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs until, together until now. So we look at the universe, and we see that the universe, although it's still consistent, it's not under Total subjection to the Godhead Because even in this epistle here We know that Satan is the prince of the power of the air Satan influences spiritual wickedness And demonic activity in heavenly places Ephesians 6 tells us that We only have to look around us And we see that the majority of planet earth You know, they're not interested in acknowledging God. They're not interested in acknowledging God, much less living for him and worshipping him. But in the fullness of time, at a point where, again, thinking like this kind of like blows me a bit. When, When time ceases and like eternity starts again, even though eternity is eternity and it doesn't start again because it is. And we don't have eternity past because eternity doesn't have a past. It's continuous present. But we're in time. But we're in the present, but we're in time and we're moving to the future. You get on? Does anybody think like that? It's deep. Did I lose people there? In the fullness of time, or the fullness of times, which we're not getting into today because we're going to get into another time, this positional reality will become an experiential reality. And it will become an experiential reality in a positive sense for those who love God, those who are in Christ. Because Paul does says that, you know, he, he might gather together in one all things. Well, what are the all things here? Because some people have looked at that and they thought, well, he must be talking about something called universalism. Which means that at the end of the day, everybody's going to get saved. Doesn't matter if you live like the devil. Forget it, because he's just going to gather everything, all things together in one. But no, it's all things which are in Christ. That's what's going to be gathered together in one. Both which are in heaven and which are in earth in him. And so the heavenly realm and the earthly realm will be under his rule. And, you know, that day will be a glorious day. That day will be a day where there will be much joy, much praise. You know, we will enter into times where, you know, you know when we look, look in the book of Revelation and it talks about the elders casting down their crowns and like just holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. You know, it's going to be a beautiful time. You know, I often think if if you're someone who doesn't really enjoy worship, then really heaven isn't going to be the place for you. I'm serious. (laughs) It's going to be pure worship in heaven. You know, it's like when you recognize it, you say, Oh, Jesus, you're too much. Crown? bash that crown. No, you're too much. Holy, holy, holy. Breaking out in praise. That's what it's going to be about. And so, you know, as I look at these things, I could see why the Apostle Paul, he writes this, and he's just breaking out in praise. You know, it's, it's, for us, it's, it's, it's like verses 12 to 14, 12, but, but it's just it's so much more. And um, verse 11 goes on to say, In him also we have obtained an inheritance. That's what he's going to go on to speak about Being predestined according to the purpose of him Who works all things according to the counsel of his will It's the counsel of his will It's according to his purpose And none of us can say God, you shouldn't have done it this way You should have done it that way None of us can say that to him That we who first trusted in Christ Should be And again, he ends it with that wonderful phrase To the praise of his glory Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can praise your name because you are worthy, Lord. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that we could be seated here today having that full assurance, Lord, <laughs> that we, are, we have been redeemed back unto you, that we have forgiveness of sins, that we are accepted in the beloved, in your son Jesus, we know, Lord, that it's, it's nothing to do what we have done, Lord. It's all because of what Christ Jesus has done and that we are in him. Thank you, Lord. We, we don't even get it. We don't even understand it so much, Lord, but we're in Christ, Lord. You've given us that opportunity to, to get out of Adam, get out of all what being in Adam involved and entailed, Lord, and now... We have newness of life in you. And we thank you for it, Lord. We bless you for it, Lord. We praise your name for it, Lord. You're worthy to be praised, Lord. And so I pray, Lord Jesus, that praise will continually be on our lips. That being thankful will continually be the attitude of our heart, Lord. And Lord, and that we would take you at the truth of your word. That, that you love us with an everlasting love and that we need to find our worth within you mm-hmm. and our surety in you lord so bless the rest of our afternoon together lord jesus we thank you in your holy and precious name in jesus name amen mm-hmm.